love seeing the Bible come to life. I love seeing the Book of Mormon come to life. But my thought has always been this. If you like the video, go read the book. You'll love it. People are drawn in by hope. And I feel like as long as you show hope that's real and authentic, then the right people will find you. So meaningful is because it starts with our team member, our employee, sacrificing something. Hello and welcome to Latter-day Profiles. I'm Brian Howard. We're here at the LES Motion Picture Studio in Provo, Utah. And joining me today is Bill Elliott. Bill, welcome. So it's a pleasure to have you here. Bill is a media director for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Been doing that, I think, for the past 11 years. Been involved in what was once called Mormon Messages, now more inspirational messages. Also involved in the making of the Book of Mormon uh, videos, which I love because when I sit down with my kids, it's a lot of fun to actually picture those things. Also a long career for NBC, 23 years involved with all kinds of things behind the camera, but uh, able to hobnob with the people on Seinfeld and Frasier and ER, all those things. So, uh, Bill, you joined the church when you were a teen down in Southern California. Let's talk about that. What, what was going on there? Well, I was just a typical teenage kid, about 12, 13, 14 years old, I think, and uh, my sister and I were outside, and the missionaries came by, and my mom, who was actually born in Payson, Utah, but not a member of the church, um, she let them teach us the gospel. Now, the teaching wasn't too in-depth. I don't remember much behind the uh, flannel board and the story of the plan of salvation and Joseph Smith, but what I do remember is that the missionary took a football, spun it on its side, on the ground, it popped up on its nose, he kicked it up like a field goal, and I thought, I want to be into that. <laughs> and then my sister joined, so I joined because she joined. Years later, I asked her why she joined, and she said, well, I joined because you joined. So it may not have been the most firm foundation, but uh, it got us started, and here we are all these years later, and, and we're still strong and loving the gospel. Well, you were telling me earlier that you had an interest in photography, did that in high school, but then when you uh, got to BYU, specifically when you served a mission to New Zealand, you had a little change of reference of what you wanted to do. Yeah, there's nothing like getting off the um, busy path of life and serving the Lord and having time to think about your life to, uh, to think about a couple things. And, and I love photography. I did uh, high school yearbook and newspaper and love being in the dark room and seeing the pictures being developed and coming through. Uh, but we also actually had an AVTV class where we'd do some video stuff in school. And, uh, and I got into that and it just felt like television was the way to go. And when I came back from, uh, uh, from my mission, I had been in photography. I, a great teacher by the name of Wally Barris taught me a great thing with photography, which was fill the frame. Whatever your shot is, fill the frame, let it tell a story. And I've just taken that philosophy into my life and everything I do, and I try to take it into the stories that I tell as well. Fill the frame and, uh, and let people be engaged in what you're doing. So. I switched over and went into television and film production at BYU. Yeah, I know at that time, uh, BYU was kind of known as the anchor factor, right? TV news was a big deal. Uh, what did you find in the program? Did it fit for you? What did you find things that you could do and could enjoy? I love the fact that it was hands-on. I could do camera, I could do audio, I can do editing, I could be directing in the studio, I could go out and just shoot a music video if I wanted to. Uh, and then I worked on the news programs and a sports program and a, and a program for the theater program. Um, and it was all a lot of fun. I wanted to gain um, skills in every production facet I could. I just wanted to know. I remember going to a class here at the Motion Picture Studio um, in, uh, in motion picture you know, sound and, and in uh, cinematography, although we were using a 16 and a, and a Super 8 uh, millimeter camera. Mm. Got as much hands-on experiences as I could. 
But television news wasn't really what I was interested in. I did my internship with uh, CNN in Washington, D.C. I did, I did uh, carrying tapes around. I, I was like a mule carrying equipment around. Then they sent me out as a sound man and a tape operator and, and a camera operator. And, and I did everything they would let me do. And one day they said, we need you to go over and fill in at the, uh, at the White House for the uh, tape operator sound man. He's getting married today. They gave me a generic ID. I went over to uh, the White House, and they let me in. <laughs> it was so amazing to be on the wet lawn of the West Wing and in the, in the West Wing. I remember calling my mom and saying, you're never going to guess where I'm at. And uh, next thing you know, they had us in for a photo op, and we were in the Oval Office with President Reagan. And that was an exciting moment. But it also taught me that I didn't really want to do television news. I wanted something a little bit more creative to be involved in. So let's talk about your career path. So there you are. You said news is out. Uh, you did some documentary stuff right before you ended up at NBC. How, how did you make your way in there? It's like quite the way to get into NBC, right? That's kind of the holy grail for some folks. Yeah. I, well, first off, I grew up loving NBC. I would, I would go there occasionally in high school. We'd go see the Midnight Special mm. or sitcoms taped or things like that. So I'd walked there. I'd been on the tour there. I was familiar with it. Um, I had a brother who, about nine years older than me, that also worked in television film production. He did all the stuff for uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital, okay. as well as Wounded Warrior and uh, uh, Comic Relief. And um, starving kids in Africa and, and orphans in Romania. And I had a chance to go work with him one summer. <clears throat> and I sat in the back room and he was doing these stories for St. Jude Children's Hospital. And he did all the interviewing and producing. And I'm logging interviews of him interviewing these kids with cancer that are not going to make it. And I think I learned how to interview from watching my brother Richard uh, do these interviews with these kids and these heartbreaking stories yeah. of, of hope and sometimes loss. Um, it gave me a great experience. Uh, when I graduated from, from BYU, I went out to Southern California and was excited to get my career started. And I got my first job uh, digging a ditch. <laughs> I had a car payment. I needed to work. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I learned a great thing from that. I, I dug the best ditch that that guy had ever seen. I mean, he wanted to hire me full-time. I could have gone pro and probably had a career in ditch digging. Um, but I, I moved on from that, and I just learned to always give up my best no matter what I'm doing. So I found a job with a corporation in, in Southern California doing their corporate videos and house videos. And I asked them if I could do some uh, community work as well with the equipment and with the, uh, uh, the opportunities there as well as what we did in-house. And they said, sure. So I went out to Children's Hospital, and I interviewed kids and doctors and told stories. And then I did the same thing at the Blind Children's Learning Center, at the Cerebral Palsy Center, uh, the American Heart Association, and all these different organizations. And back then, I, would sh I was a one-man band. I would shoot it, edit it, put it all together. And they would uh, show these videos at their big fundraising dinners. Oh. And they'd get people to emotional and cry and write checks and donate money. And it, it was kind of the heart of my documentary filmmaking start that I felt it was an important part of my, my foundation, was learning how to tell stories from people's sound bites and listening to them. So it was really rewarding. And I did the corporate work as well. Um, eventually, I, I, I went freelance, which is kind of code for being unemployed for about a year and a half. <laughs> And I did every odd job you can imagine, and I got a couple of production jobs. And eventually I met somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody that got me in, in an entry-level spot at NBC. 
making five bucks an hour, working 30, 40 hours a week. That eventually led to an opportunity to apply for a job at NBC in the story department. Now, I'm a production guy. I'm, I'm a camera guy. I, I, wanna, I wanna have my hands on. And the story department was reviewing scripts and writers for development for the entertainment division. And I really wasn't qualified for that. Um, they wanted you to be able to type 100 words a minute. And I, you know, I, I just needed the job. I needed to get that step up to a real job. And I remember going in and interviewing with the, the lady who was in charge, and we just hit it off. The interview went really well. And she said, I've got 30 other people I need to talk to, but I feel like I can work with you. And I said, well, I've got to admit, I can't type 100 words a minute. And she says, I don't care. The last person I worked with could, and I couldn't work with them. I need somebody I can work with. And she hired me and taught me uh, story coverages and, and the opportunity to review writers and scripts. And I would go sit in the meetings for her uh, in the executive meetings with uh, um, the programming department. Brandon Tartikoff was the head of NBC. It was must-see TV. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we were creating shows that were, were edgy and were, were very entertaining. And I would sit back there and I would watch them uh, as they put together the schedule and they counter-programmed what CBS was doing and they would stunt and put something on. And Brandon Tartikoff was a, was a brilliant entertainment guy. And it was just an education all of itself. So I did that for two years in that area before I uh, job posted and got a job in the uh, creative department, the uh, entertainment division, and doing more of the behind the scenes and back into production work. Mm. Uh, so tell me, you're involved with that. You know, that's a whirlwind wind area. I mean, high, high stakes, uh, you know, programming against the other stations. Uh, how did it feel to be involved with that? Was it a, was a kind of a whirlwind as you look back at it now? Uh, how, how did that feel to be involved in, you know, that's at a high level in the TV production industry? It was very exciting to sit back as they were programming shows. This was, you know, the Golden Girls right. and, and uh, shows like that and Cosby and A Different World and see their strategies. But for me, being on the set, when I started doing behind the scenes work, you know, to be sitting there on the set of, of Golden Girls or to be on the set of uh, Friends playing foosball or Frasier or uh, the West Wing. I mean, having been in the actual Oval Office in the West Wing, to be on the Warner Brothers set um, with uh, Martin Sheen and the cast of that great show um, and, and look around and see what it was like. I mean, it looked just like the Oval Office I had been in. So it was really exciting. It was, uh, it was a whirlwind of a time, but it was a great time to just be behind the scenes of what they called must-see TV. And it was probably NBC's best entertainment years with some great shows and great stories. Yeah, those were the golden days kind of. of TV. Yes. What was your responsibility? What did you do in that role in the creative department? So I was a senior director by the time I, I left there, and we did the behind the scenes or making of. This could be something that would be as small as a 30-second piece as a promotional tool. Uh, we also did uh, five-minute or so pieces that would come on in the theaters before the, um, the trailers start, kind of a first look. Yeah. So one of the last ones I worked on 11 years ago before I left was a show called Parenthood, uh, which is based on the movie of the same okay. name. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went and had a chance to sit down with Ron Howard and interview him and talk to him about the show. And what was interesting about that was that uh, Ron became the voice of the whole promotional effort for that because instead of asking him about the show, I asked him about his journey mm. as a parent. And he talked about the roller coaster and he talked about 
um, the excitement and the thrills and the fears and the fact that you should hire a teenager while they know everything and his challenges. And that really became emblematic of what the actual show was like and about. So it was fun to sit in a theater and, and watch his interview and watch the behind the scenes and the clips that came together for that piece. And my sister would say, well, am I ever going to see you? And I said, well, if you look really close into the eye, you might see my reflection. But other than that, no. My job is to be off, off camera. But I probably did about 3,000 interviews uh, with wow. people while I was there. Some really profound, interesting uh, people. I mean, we did a show called Uprising that was based on the, uh, um, the Jewish Warsaw-Polish ghetto in World War II and their uh, uprising against the uh, Nazis as they invaded and how this small group of people banded together and they held off the whole German army for quite some time until the whole uh, ghetto area was burned down. But there was a man named Kajik who was a survivor of that and he fought in the resistance and he came from Tel Aviv and when we shot this in Bratislava, Slovakia, recreated that set and I walked down the cobblestone street and he said, I know who lived there and I know who lived there. And he said, I was in a building just like this and I, they started shooting at me and I jumped through the glass window and ran down the street and I remember bullets whizzing by my head. I mean, when you get a chance to, to hear her history in person, up close and personal, it was, it was pretty amazing for the uh, TV movies that we did. You know, I mean, just thinking about interviewing that many people, uh, what a great experience and insights into people's lives. Uh, what was that like sitting across from those folks, uh, the feeling you get? Of course, nobody got to see you. Maybe that's, a, uh, that's kind of a bonus. I kind of like that. But <laughs> what was that like being able to sit across from all those individuals? Well, it's always very exciting and fun. I, I, you know, it's a challenge. Sometimes actors are good. Sometimes they can't link a noun and a verb, and the real people are better, and you want to get that sound bite. Um, what I found was I've got limited amount of time, um, and I need to sit down and connect with them and help them feel comfortable and get them to give me the sound bites that I need that we can use for a lot of different things to tell a story to make the show look good. And most of them were great to work with. I mean, out of all the actors that I worked with, they were, they were all almost just amazing because we were there to help them look good, help the show look good. And when I think, one of the things I learned at NBC was about just working together. A good idea was a good idea. It doesn't matter where it came from. And that philosophy really has carried over. We all wanted our shows to be successful. So if I had a good idea or somebody in the mailroom had a good idea, these things could be um, passed on and they might use them. It was fun. It was, a, it was a great ride at a great time of television history. Yeah, think about it. when people think about you know going down and working in television or Hollywood kind of thing, worry about your you know saving your soul. What was it like working in that atmosphere? I guess things change over time as well. But what was it like for you being a Latter Day Saint working in in television? Yeah, I, I still remember uh, when I was doing a project for my brother at his company, and and we went out to uh, go see dinner and have a movie in Westwood, and there were theaters on each corner. And I, and I remember uh, everybody wanted to go see this movie that was R-rated. And somehow I managed to talk them into going across the street to the other theater to see uh, another movie that was PG. And they all agreed. And I walked in and I sat down in the theater and something stuck to my foot and I picked it up. I had a $20 bill stuck to my foot. I thought, well, okay, that paid off. Um, I can tell you that I wondered about that myself. And I remember going to the L.A. Temple and standing there as it looks out at, uh, at Century City and West L.A. and Santa Monica and behind it is Brentwood and Beverly Hills. And I thought, you know, in the middle of the world, here's the temple standing tall like a beacon of truth. 
And if I can shine brightly and let my light shine, I can be here in the middle of this world and still let people know who I am and what I stand for. And in my 23 years at NBC, I think everybody I worked with knew who I was, what I believed in. Yeah, I got, I got ribbed a bit here and there for some things. But for the most part, they respected me and I respected them. And I was treated well. And uh, they knew who I was. And, and, you know, they didn't ask me to involve myself in things that weren't appropriate. And one of the things I wanted to do by working for NBC was the fact that it's a broadcast television network. They're controlled by FCC guidelines. So the worst thing on NBC would not have been PG-13 in the movies. It would have been PG, literally. And that felt like a safeguard for me for the stories. And I never had to turn anything down because all the movies and the TV shows um, at their worst were still going to be something that was a fairly safe option. And I had that opportunity, if I had to, to go to my boss and say, I'm not comfortable with that project, and he would excuse me. Hmm. Never thought about the FCC guidelines being, but that is kind of a safeguard, actually, because of the broadcast. Yeah, broadcast and FCC, NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox, they're still guided by those broadcast standards. And I do remember that one of the leaders came in to NBC at the end there, and they said that we want to push the FCC guidelines. We want to be more provocative. And that's when I thought, maybe it's time to move on to do something else. And, you know, they still have the guidelines, so they're there. But that's when I looked at opportunities and ended up coming to work for the church. Yeah, how did that come about? Was something you were actively looking for? What happened? Well, I met somebody, John Garbett, a friend of mine, who worked for the church as a producer, and he told me a little bit about um, working for the church and the content they were creating and the experiences they were having. And I just felt like it was time to go. Mm. Um, I found an opportunity. I, I looked into it. Uh, they brought me up. We chatted and they said, listen, we'd love to have you come um, work for us and be uh, over our film video producer group. And, uh, and I thought that would be good. But I told them, I said, you know, I really can't come until I've sold my house in California because I, I can't take a lower paying job and have my expenses yeah. there, my family there. They said, fine, we've got an office with your name on it. Let us know when you can come. A few months went by, nothing was happening in the real estate market for our house. We kept trying and trying and trying. And finally, and I hadn't told anybody at NBC, and finally uh, my wife and I were at the LA Temple and I got the impression, uh, it's time to go, let them know. And I told her about that and she looked at me and she said, you mean pull the safety net? I said, yeah. And she said, I wondered where you're going to figure that out. <laughs> uh, yes. So that Monday, I went and talked to my boss, and he said, wait a minute. Now you're going to go and leave NBC and go work for your church in Utah? And I said, yeah. But he was supportive. I told him in Salt Lake I'd be coming. And, uh, and we moved forward. And it was a couple months later, in uh, July of uh, 2011. Uh, the weekend came. I was going to be starting on July 5th, and it was a Tuesday. And uh, we had had no bites on our house. And that Saturday, I drove up to Salt Lake and stayed up here. And on uh, to that Saturday, somebody did come look at our house. And then 4th of July was a Monday. And on Tuesday, July 5th, the people came back and put an offer on our house, which we accepted. And, uh, and the miracle was that uh, it went through completely. And we were able to get the family up here in time to start school in the fall. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to kind of lay it out there and have that faith, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was scary for a little bit there, but it's literally, I've never looked back. I'm grateful for my 23 years at NBC. It was the best ride ever, but I cannot tell you how rewarding it has been, what a blessing it has been to be involved in creating 
scripture content like the Bible videos and the Book of Mormon videos and the inspirational messages that we create based on people's stories or the prophetic word. Uh, it's, it's something, it's been the highlight of my career. Hmm. You know, you went from uh, yeah, doing these things at NBC. How did your, your role of what you're doing as the director of media, you know, for the church, what kind of things you're involved in? Obviously you talked about, you know, Mormon messages, inspirational messages, now the Book of Mormon content. What are some of the things, what role did you play in those kind of things? Well, my first uh, 10 months with the church, I was in management over the film video producers. And then there was a need to move me to another department, the priesthood and family department, to oversee the products of Mormon Channel, Mormon Messages, as they were known then, Mormon Messages for Youth, the Bible videos. And, uh, and I jumped at the opportunity because it was more creative development mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, managerial. And, and uh, I, I like to say that I was traded for a draft pick to be named later. They, they gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. I said, yes, I'm happy to go. And it was a great decision. Um, with Bible videos, I immediately got involved in the post-production of editing those with the producer and uh, having those published in the very beginning. And we were just starting. I mean, getting some music on those and some scriptures and some uh, graphics and some content. Um, when we finished the... Uh, Bible videos, a great product manager for the church, Rob Jex, came to me and he said, maybe we could get them to do the uh, Book of Mormon videos next. We should see if we could do that. Well, it took a couple years of development to get a product plan in place and approved before anything was ever done. And then it took probably another year and a half of development work. Um, we have a cross-departmental team of people from missionary and family history and seminary institute. Mm -hmm. So all this collaboration came together to put together the product plan and the proposal. And then we are involved with the publishing services department and uh, brought in a producer, Aaron Merrill, mm -hmm. who, uh, who, who came in to be the producer on the project. And then, of course, it's really hard because you've got to get budget and funding and approval. And all I can tell you, the message that came down to me after President Monson approved it was, he said uh, something like, well, what took you so long? <laughs> yes. And so we got started and we moved forward with that. And it's been one of the greatest collaborative efforts. I feel like I'm a small part of a wonderful team that cross-departmentally uh, uh, developed it and then the production professionals. I've worked with a lot of crews around the world and I've never seen anybody better than the production professionals, the cameramen, the lighting, the, the hair and makeup, the, the costume, all the production people, lighting, grip, they're, they're just amazing here. The talent and the technology is there, and uh, it allowed us to do first Nephi the first season, and uh, we continued on from that. And we always thought that doing third Nephi and the Savior's visit would be our crowning moment and opportunity. And then 2020 came and the mm -hmm. pandemic. Yes. And we were told, you're going to have to wait because we can't do anything this year. And so we did. Well, we had cast a young man from New Zealand, Anthony Butters, to play the role of the Savior, and that was approved by the First Presidency. And in that year that he had, he prepared by memorizing all the lines of the Savior from Third Nephi. So when it came time to actually shoot it, he knew it all, and all he had to do was share it with the people. And then things like construction cost went up. And lumber went up 250%. And they figured out how to make the sets out of styrofoam. Hmm. It's almost like a big Lego set. And they just piece it together. And it looked beautiful and it great. So that delay, while it was frustrating, uh, it was a great blessing because we had the opportunity to, uh, to do that. Um, so I love being part of this uh, great team that does Book of Mormon videos. 
the inspirational messages, or as they used to be called, Mormon messages. Uh, that's my bread and butter. That's my heart and soul. I get to watch conference and hear talks that inspire and lift and think, okay, Elder Holland just told this great story of these two brothers climbing a cliff. I wonder if we can tell that story. And then we do. Um, or, or Elder Uchtdorf, you know, told this great story. Can we make that come to pass? And, and, uh, and it's about bullying. And it's called Stop It. And, and uh, so we work with the producers and bring that one to come to pass, too. And that one has been very successful. I had the opportunity to work on some cool shows. I mean, ER, The West Wing, Frasier, Friends, they were all great. The Office. Um, but I don't know that I ever did anybody any good by helping with those productions. We've been able to create videos here like the bullying video, Stop It, um, our suicide prevention video, Stay, our uh, mental health video with Elder Holland, Like a Broken Vessel that literally touch people's lives. I can go on YouTube and see the comments and somebody says that how that helped them get through another day. I, I never helped anybody just by being part of an entertainment team. This feels like we're doing something uh, that's moving the dial and helping people and perhaps bringing a little bit of inspiration and good to the world. So it's been a blessing. One last thing, Bill, you know, I was just thinking about that. Uh, uh, media is very powerful, can be very powerful. Uh, why do you feel it's so important for the church to be involved in creating this type of content? Well, think about it. YouTube is a great platform, and there's hundreds and hundreds of hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute. Hundreds of hours every minute that are uploaded. So whatever we do, no matter how much we produce, it's still a small drop in the bucket. There's a reason why it's millions and millions of dollars, five, six million dollars for a 30-second commercial on the, on the Super Bowl because media can impact and persuade and, and, and guide and direct. And so I think the opportunity for the church to be involved in uplifting inspirational media that, uh, that helps people, that, that tells the stories of the scriptures um, is a powerful thing. It's still small, it really depends on you and me. Okay, we can put all this stuff out there, but if, if, if you wanna be a media missionary, take one of these videos and share them on your social media platform. If, if you look at your social media platform, does it reflect you? Does it reflect your faith and testimony? How can you flood the world with the gospel through media? It's the easiest way to share your faith without pushing it on anybody. Something that will just lift somebody's day, a music video that makes them feel better. Those are great things. And then when it comes to doing the scriptures, well, uh, I love seeing the Bible come to life. I love seeing the Book of Mormon come to life. But my thought has always been this. If you like the video, go read the book. You'll love it. Bill, Bill Elliott, uh, Media Director for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Bill, thank you so much. It's been inspiring. Really appreciate you coming. Oh, happy to be here. Thank you very much.